Good evening and welcome to this week's Prem Focus. I'm your host Adam Noble and I'm joined today by Gary Painter. This week we're missing Simon and the Bill. Uh, we sold them at the end of the transfer window just to increase a little bit of our transfer budget for next season. Before I begin, just a shout out to our channel partner Michael Andrews or M Andrews 95 as some of you may know him. He does top quality streams on all video games, Call of Duty, NBA, FIFA, you name it, he plays it. Give him a follow on Facebook. Um, and yeah, Michael, we love you. So, Gary, how are you doing before I begin? I'm very well. Enjoying the football at the moment. Oh, you must be a Liverpool fan. You're in the time of your lives, aren't you? Oh, totally. I've been asked to dial back my Liverpool banter, so I will not be ribbing into Liverpool too much tonight. Um, we'll come on to the Van Dyke injury in a little bit, but there's some games you want to discuss a little bit before we get, on, get into that. Um, I think I should start off with the West Ham Tottenham game, really. I mean... I was quite excited on Sunday, and I'm not going to lie, I'm still buzzing now. And we're a few days, we're five days past the game. I mean, what a way! If people, the Tottenham fans, I've loved seeing all Twitter and all that the last few days. Tottenham fans giving us loads of sticks, saying, "Oh, it's our cup final," and uh, you know how why we're we so buzzing over a draw. But the way we came back and drew that game, and then like, the literally the last kick of the game with such an amazing goal. I mean, who wouldn't be buzzing with that? You'd be buzzing, wouldn't you, Gary? If that was like a Liverpool Everton game in the last minute, you like Henderson pulled off an absolute worldie. Well, yeah, it's a superb comeback. You know, at the end of the day, Tottenham three 0 up within twenty minutes, was it? Yeah, three, yeah I, three, I think it's fifteen minutes. In fact, actually, I think it's quite yeah. quicker than that. And if you go back to the two results before that, they scored seven and six. So after fifteen minutes, I'd imagine you're like, "Oh, great, here we go." Well, I'm not gonna gonna lie, I did turn the stream off. Yeah, they're gonna ask <laughs> for ten here, you know. But yeah. you know, West Ham are always a team that can cause the big teams. They don't seem to do it against the smaller teams. No, and that's against part of our the big teams, yeah. you seem to be able to grind out results. And does that make you nervous for the Liverpool West Ham game coming up soon? Oh, I'm always nervous playing West Ham. <laughs> you <laughs> know, to do as you know, I was play. sat there a few years ago next year when you beat us. I, I do remember that game. You know, that was in a great that. time to be in the stadium, especially being yeah, with the home right. fans. Um, yeah, you, could, I mean, yeah, you sure felt that one. Yeah, I think everyone knew I was a Liverpool fan by the end of it, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, they could, I think they could definitely tell by the end of that game. Um, I remember there was one I took the bill to. I think it was the uh, FA Cup game. It was like the 119th minute, yeah. 119th minute, a bonger from a, like a free kick or a corner just netted it in. I absolutely launched him across That's the stand. When, uh, I... Andy Carroll fouled one of our oh, players yeah. when the ball was thrown in. Yeah, I remember that yeah. one. Oh, you know that well, People say Liverpool fans hold grudges. I mean, there's clearly no proof of that. No. Uh, it's not like the game I went to, there was a clear foul by Antonio down on the other end before you went down and scored. But, you know, <laughs> let's not forget about it. Let's... Let, let's not dwell on the yeah, past. You know, it's in the past. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I always worry when we play West Ham. Um, it's going to be a good game coming up, I'm sure. We'll discuss yeah, it in the still future. over a week left. I know. We've got, you've got, you've got, you've got a week to sort your defence out. Well, they did very well last night, I thought. Well, don't worry, we'll come to that in a minute. Don't worry, yeah, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I want to talk about when they did pretty well. I want to um, focus a little bit more on the Tottenham West Ham game. I mean... Fair play to Spurs, you know, three nil up after fifteen minutes. They were they're a top quality team, you know, people say they're Spursy, which they are a little bit at the moment, and they still have that little bit of a malice that they tend to, you know, um seem to be so close to winning or doing something special and then they just absolutely flop. So that's where I think that's where the term Spursy's come from. But they're a good team and um I think any other team they were playing that night wouldn't have done what West Ham did. I think it was the fact it was a derby and the players are up for it and Moyes has actually got us, you know, um believing in a system and actually fighting. I'm, I'm a bit surprised by Moyes at the moment. We seem to be pulling the team together. And I know we've got a small squad, but sometimes that can help having a close-knit group rather than having 
as we have for the last few years, a massive squad or a fairly big squad of just average bang average players, you know, that don't get in the team. And I think sometimes that can break the camaraderie a little bit. A smaller group might be a bit closer. So I think we saw that a bit on on um, Sunday night. Do you reckon that goal for Lanzini is going to make him rediscover that form of two, three years ago? I really ago? do hope so. I really do hope so. I've seen some training videos this week and, um, you know, the confidence has got to be there after that. I mean, who wouldn't be confident after scoring a goal like that? I just hope he can find his form a little bit. It's going to be hard for him now, though, because um, we, we're playing five at the back. There's only arguably two positions to fight for because Antonio has pretty much got the front um, striker role locked down. Um, four nulls again, though. You, it's going to be hard to drop him considering what he did the other night. He didn't score a goal, but he's been pretty pretty on fire with the assists recently. And Bowen, you can't drop him. He's just... Um, I also saw some stats the other day. He's just a different breed on that wing. He's just... Yeah, his adjustment from Championship to Premier League football has been oh, very good. Definitely. And the, the stats you can see, he's just carried on. I think he's still one of the top assists in the Championship a year on. Like, well, in the last season, still, sorry, he was um, still up there. The assist, no one really matched him. And I hope Benarama can do the same thing. I'd, I'd like to start Benarama at the weekend against City, but maybe from the bench, he needs to have a few games just from the bench to get a feel for it and then start like Bowen did. But I mean... Bowen's first game, he scored a goal, a goal for us within the first like, 10 minutes. So I, I can't really I can't really say no to not putting him in the team. But that's, I think Lanzini's going to have a hard time coming back to your original point, um, mm. finding his place back in the team. But I hope he can. Um, he's definitely got the ability to still come on from the bench. And if he can just keep that confidence going, he, he can, he can, he's always been a game changer for us. Um, I just hope he can find his form again. You've definitely got two tough games coming up. City, mm. and, um, City then Liverpool. But this, by this point, I wouldn't. I would be annoyed. I wouldn't be annoyed. I would be annoyed to be lost, obviously. But I don't think losing those two games now would be as bad as they would have been if we hadn't have beaten or done what we'd done in the last few games. Because, at this point, I said before the start of the season, I honestly expect us to have no points at this stage of the season. I was mm. down there with Burnley, maybe. The fact that we've now got a draw and two wins. I mean, I'd happy to go put a fight against City and lose. Well, yeah, um, in your five games, now. I think. The only games you really would have, well, the only game you probably would have expected anything was the Newcastle game. Yeah. And you got nothing from flipped. that. Yeah. And then you lost to Arsenal, and everyone's, I think, even you were kind of like, okay, this is not Boring. going great. We could yeah. be in trouble. But then since then, beating Wolves. I don't quite know what happened uh, against that Wolves game team. Leicester. I mean, geez, we, we just look like a different team there. So it's, um, it's, it's a lot better now, though. Yeah. Um, there seems to be a lot of team spirit there at West Ham. Um, the signing of Benarama is going to be... I've seen some training videos and he's just... It's too early to say Pyatt-esque, but I know people want him to be the next Pyatt. Um, he has that same stature and that same ability on the ball, but I, I'm not going to say he's going to become Pyatt because that was just a freak of nature that season. He was Pyatt. But if he can get anywhere, even half as close as he was, we've got a great player on our hands. So, yeah. And after the Liverpool City game, we've got a few easy games coming up, but it's going to yeah, be an interesting one. after us. Yeah, it should be winnable the way Fulham are playing. You know, it looks like everyone's yeah. going to beat Fulham this year. Yeah, you went to see my prediction later on, actually. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. But I've, once we get past the Liverpool City game, we really can start pushing on. But West Ham are notorious for doing nothing against small teams, but playing the big teams, we start to do more. So it'd probably be perfect if we played <laughs> you lot every game of the season. We probably end up getting more points. But um, we shall see. So it's not a bad start to the season for West Ham and that 3 3. A free free draw shows the team spirit really, and it was a great game and a, and a great goal by Lanzini. I'd have to say, I'm pretty sure that's going to end up goal of the season, regardless of what happens between that end of the season, just the way it was scored, the time it was scored, and the meaning behind it. I just think that's going to be goal of the season. I think it really helped as well because 
Like you were in kind of good form, and I think if you had lost heavily to Tottenham, you'd have gone into the City and Liverpool game massively demotivated. Now you're in a high of coming off a 94th minute equaliser. Are you saying you're worried? Well, you know, we'll see how you play against City first. City's going to be an interesting one as well. I'll talk a bit about more in the predictions coming up. Actually, I won't. I won't speak too much about it now, but. um... It'll be interesting to see how you do against City because if you do really well, then obviously we're going to be worried about the Liverpool-West Ham game. But if you do terrible, I think we'll still be worried because if you get fresh 5-0, you're going to want revenge in the next game. (laughs) So, you you know, it's one of those where we can't just hope you you get like a 2-all or a narrow defeat. (laughs) But another good game, another 3-all even. Chelsea Southampton on the weekend. That was actually was... quite a good game, to be fair. Yeah, I was quite surprised, yeah. really, the way that game went down. I think Chelsea, well, they probably would be gutted, really. Southampton is a team they should be beating. I mean, Southampton, and by no means pushovers, it's not an easy game for them. Um, but Chelsea, with the amount of money they spent, I mean, come on. People are saying they should be pushing for the what title, maybe, um, top four at least. But they no, just I think if look... you're spending that kind of money, you should be going for the title. Yeah, there's no, there's no you know, doubt they should be at the top. Plus but... million, you should be going for a title. It's simple as that. But the amount know, of players they brought in, and the fact that they've now included Petr Cech as one of their 25 players, it's, it's getting strange. Absolutely isn't it? ridiculous. Strange. You know, they've now got four goalkeepers in their 25 man squad. Five games played, they're in eighth. Two wins, two draws, one loss. West Ham, two. two I'm just to throw West Ham in there. Two wins, one draw, two losses. They're only one point behind them. Hmm. And we've we've spent five million, two, seven million maybe this transfer window. They've spent how much? It's just about I know it's only five games it, into yeah. The, yeah, it's only five games into the season, I know, but I mean come on. They should be doing a lot better than they are, and I think Frank's definitely starting to see the pressure a little bit. Um They've got the Champions League games coming up as well. They've got United at the weekend. I definitely think City should have uh, City, sorry, Chelsea should have been winning at the weekend against Southampton. And again, it's just that defensive stature in the Premier League that isn't there at the moment. Chelsea just can't defend. Not many people can defend, but they should be doing a lot better with the, the players they've got now. They're not they're not rubbish players. They've bought well. They've bought quality. Mm. It's just not working. Is it the manager? I don't know. Do you think Kep, Kepper even, uh, the Chelsea goalkeeper, has a future at Chelsea or even in the Premier League? Because obviously he made an absolute howler. He just completely missed the ball. The ball wasn't even going at speed. Mm. And that led to Shea Adams scoring. Uh, Quite a a very untidy goal, yeah. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I saw that. It's an interesting one because I I don't even know why he was playing. Actually, no, I know why now because... Mendy was injured. Mendy was injured, yes. I I don't know about him. I like Kepa. I mean, he wasn't a bad goalkeeper at the start, but he just seems to be suffering the Joe Hart syndrome that he had at City. He just completely flopped. he struggled for confidence. I think since Frank has come in, he pretty much knows he's not the number one goalkeeper. I don't know what he said to him. He didn't give him any confidence moving forward. He appears to have lost it now. And I mean, I've no, I, I wouldn't say he's, his time in the Premier League is over. I definitely think he could go to another team and do well. Maybe go down to another team, a little bit slightly less pressure than Chelsea. Um, I'll definitely take him at West Ham. But he does have he does have his he does have but not, there's not there's loads of goals out there do this. I mean Adrian for a start you know about that they have a lot of mistakes in them I think if he can he's young he can iron out those mistakes look at Fabianski when he was younger at Arsenal he had a lot of mistakes in him look at him now a lot less he can be trained out of him I think Kepa's got a future but I don't think he's got 
more than one move left in him, really, in the Premier League. Because I think he's a quality keeper. And yeah. I think the pressure's always been on him because of where how expensive he's been as a goalkeeper. He wasn't cheap, was he? He wasn't no, he was cheap. over £70 million. Pounds. Like, that's a lot of money for a goalkeeper, especially one that yeah. was not unknown. It's a world record, actually. Uh, a world yeah, record transfer. It was yeah. highest for a goalkeeper. But he, yeah. he wasn't unknown, but he wasn't seen as this world class goalkeeper. No. He wasn't seen as an Allison or an Edison. Like, he was. Like, if he had gone to a team such as West Ham, no one would have batted an eyelid. No. We wouldn't have spent 80 million on him, but no one would have batted no. an eyelid. For, oh, just, just another goalkeeper. Yeah. And that's, he's so he's got the pressure there from being the world's most expensive goalkeeper. He's then got, last season especially, one like one of the worst defences in front of him. You know, Kurt Zuma's a very clumsy defender. You know, he was relegated with Stoke. You know, and he didn't look good there either. Um, then Marcus Alonso at left That's back. That's what surprised me actually about Zuma. Yeah, the fact he was at Stoke. He's pretty much a goner. Then all of a sudden he's back in Chelsea's first yeah. team. Yeah. And I think he only, obviously he's only still there in my opinion because of the transfer ban. So if they sold him, they're missing yeah. another centre-back. But then you've got Andreas Christiansen, who we used to watch when Chelsea under-23s played at the Orchard Yeah, Stadium. we did actually. Yeah. And he looked... Yeah amazing compared to the other youth players but he doesn't seem to have really adapted and became this world-class centre-back that a lot of I think Chelsea sports especially thought mm. um, and then right back they got Aspil Cuesta he's quite old his legs seem to be going so he's had quite a few injuries so Kep has always had that, that, that poor defence in front of him which just doesn't help and you know putting Petr Cech in a 25-man squad that is not going to help anybody's confidence. I mean, I'm surprised Petacek was only 38. You must have retired quite young. I'm well, that's the thing. Caballero, who obviously is their other goalkeeper, is also 38. Yeah, it's just really random, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, 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 I think Czech is, Petacek could still be a good goalkeeper. I was just shocked that he... Um, well, he started playing ice hockey. He was a goalkeeper yeah, in yeah, ice yeah. hockey, yeah. He was playing in Guildford, I think, at one point, yeah. wasn't he? I'm pretty sure. Um, they like second team or something. I think part of Chelsea's issue, I know they, I know Frank for the whole transfer window wanted Declan Rice. It wasn't a hidden fact. Everyone knew it. Um, he brought other players first, whether that was his choice or I imagine it was his choice at the end of the day. I don't think their director of football really took over from him. I think it was his choice at the end of the day. They wanted Rice to play centre-back. He's not a centre-back anymore. He tried to play centre-back for West Ham the other week and he doesn't have that... Um, he can still do it, but he doesn't have that like a wet. Like he hasn't done it in a while. So, you know, he's yeah. got a bit rusty with it. He can, he's he's much better in midfield now. Um, they wanted him, they didn't get him. We wanted too much money for him. Now it appears West Ham. We've made him captain practically. He's been captain for weeks. Noble's now taking up a coaching role, um, and pretty much Rice is now the first team captain. We want to offer him a new contract before the tra- uh, January transfer window. We're going to make him our highest paid player. I think they've missed out on him, so they've missed that that put leader in the back line. Because I would say Declan Rice is a leader. He's now our captain. He could have done it for them. They've missed out on that. Now but you know, you know my else. views on Declan Rice. You I know, know I'm not, we're not going to go into that, but yeah. I know the Chelsea fans... But I do believe he would have improved that Chelsea squad. 100%. 100%. I, even if you don't think he's the best player. I don't think he's world-class, and I don't think he's ever going to be world-class. But No, but he's very he good in his position. definitely does make that change. And he does make a very positive impact on the defensive side of the um, a team. I think that's what Chelsea really needed. Yeah. And I think they've... They just I need someone have... to control it. Because it seems like Kante is almost... Like, he's playing. I don't know what's happened to Kante, but he's he not the same player. He used to be this guy that would be all over the pitch, winning the ball for you. 
And all of a sudden, it just doesn't feel like he's doing that. Like, I, do, I think the Chelsea players are suffering from a hit of no confidence from their manager here because they've got Jorginho and they've got Kante. They weren't, they weren't shit a few years ago. They were good players. They were good players. Kante's only 29. Um, Jorginho's only 28, so they're not old. Hmm. They were, they were good players and they weren't, they weren't bad under the previous managers. Like the Chelsea supporters I've talked to, they believe, well, I think even non-Chelsea supporters can see, Lampard doesn't know how to get his team to defend. Like no. I think he spent so long in his career as an attacking midfielder, if you like, that he, he doesn't really yeah. look at the defensive side of the game. Like If you look at their set-piece record, defending set-pieces, they are dreadful. You yeah. know, that is their biggest, like, Achilles well, heel, yeah. really. Yeah. And, like, maybe they just need to get a few coaches in that can help with the defensive they side. They need to find their next John Terry, basically, in defence. They need to find yeah. their next leader at the back. They, they brought Diago Silva in trying to fill that void, but I don't think he's got the legs for the Premier no, League. No, not know. at his age anymore, he's no. 37, you know, he's yeah, very yeah. old for a centre-back. He's in his twilight years. He's still a good centre-back, but he's not, he's not, he's not, he's in his twilight years of his career now. Yeah, he's 30, um, not 34, sorry, that's David Silva, I was just checking. Um, he's not in his twilight years, um, and they just need it. I think they could have really um, used a younger uh, mm. leader in defence. They don't have that now. Um, I don't know if they'll get Rice. They might get him in the future because if West Ham can time down, they won't be getting him. Um, definitely in the next couple of seasons, we can make him our, our captain and leader. Um, they need to find someone at the back that can help them build that defence because Kante was is quality, but I don't see him as a leader on the pitch. He, he's yeah. a quality player, but I don't see him as a player. It's you know, Kevin Nolan, John Terry, Frank Lampard esque shouting at the ref, leading the shouting at the players, getting them pushed on. Um, I don't see I don't see their defence having that. I think that's when they need to print their strength in January. But again, just to conclude on that game, Chelsea again showing that they can't really hold on to a lead. Um, they've got the quality up front. Even Lampard said they need to improve their game management because they like Tottenham. They were in control, but it's almost a bit like when Klopp first came to Liverpool. We'd score one or two, have the lead, but we'd still be searching for all the goals, and because we would yeah. want to win five six every week, and you can't win five or six every week. No, you've got to see the game out. Yeah, sometimes. so you've got, you've got to take the one nil, two nil, two three nil up. Just slow the tempo down. Make up, sure yeah. you don't lose the ball. No silly thing. mistakes. Yeah. You yeah. know, Kepa should have. You know, he's gone down for the ball. He's gone past him. His foot should be going straight through that. If we yeah, look at Adrian yeah. last night, he was being closed down, and he took forever on the ball, and he kicked it straight at an Ajax player. Lucky enough, the deflection went wide. Yeah, but. You know, it's silly That's, mistakes like that that cost you three the title points. winning um, Manchester City side. I remember watching them once and they absolutely demolished us and then they just slowed the game down. But they didn't lose the game, they just slowed the game down, took it down to a slow pace, kept control, saw the game out. That's, that's what title winning that's sides what did, do. Liverpool did last year. You know, we had one of the best defences in the league last year before lockdown. Yeah. And we'd get an early goal or two, and then the rest of the game is right, see we're just going to see it out. You know, we don't need a third or fourth goal because three points is more important than a plus two goal difference. Yeah. You know, you don't need to win big. If you get 38 wins in a season, you've won the league. It doesn't matter how many goals you scored. Yeah, it's just it's all about, yeah, exactly. If you go back to when Rodgers was in charge of Liverpool and we came second, obviously Steven Gerrard slip, etc. But most of that season, we were giving away leads, which we really shouldn't have been. So had we... 
had better game management throughout the season, we probably would have won the league before even going to Chelsea or even Palace even because we we're chasing the goals of Palace. You can have all the quality in your squad, but if you can't see a game out and have good game management, then you're not going to, you know, that's what makes a title winning side. You can attack as much as you want, but you need to be able to see games out. No. So just to conclude on the Chelsea-Southampton game, again, it's another slip by Chelsea. I don't know how, well, Frank's got still more time in the tank. I don't think he's um, at any risk yet, but he's definitely got to start showing that his squad can defend. I think the Champions League, obviously, you got back to back, back, like basically six weeks of Champions League football now. Definitely. So how he does in the group stages could determine whether he's still there come January. Yeah, I think he's definitely got until January to prove himself. But if you start to see maybe a string of losses, loss of confidence in the team, I definitely think we could see Frank going. But no, that's a good result for Southampton, though. Take nothing away from them. Um, a good draw against a, 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 a... Well, you say good Chelsea side. A Chelsea side are full of quality. Southampton showing the no pushovers. And I don't... Southampton could have a good season this year. I hope, I'm hope. i hoping... Um, I have nothing against Southampton. I hope to see them maybe in the top half, maybe, but it's Danny definitely a good result for them. Quality player, and that's Danny not because he's an yeah. Liverpool player, you know. No, he, we know he's definitely proven in the Premier League now. He's doing it. He's done it for Burnley. He got unlucky. He's very unlucky at Liverpool with the injuries, yeah. but uh, scored twenty-two goals last season, and he played every single game for Southampton in the league last year. So Definitely. hopefully his injuries are behind hopefully him Hopefully a good season for him. And he, uh, he's, 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 he's still showing he's an absolutely lethal striker. Yeah. Um, and keep keep doing that for the season. And he's an old school striker as well. You know, he's just always in the right places. Proper poacher. You know, he's nothing fancy. Mm. But he the gets the job done. taking from this, Gary, are we going to see the Southampton Danny Ings number nine shirt? No, you will not. Maybe an Ings exactly. England shirt, but not, Maybe not a Southampton shirt. shirt. Okay, let's move on to the Everton-Liverpool games. I feel like it's time now to talk about Liverpool. Um, from an outsider's perspective, we, we expected a nil-nil because historically the games at um, Everton have, have, been, have been draws. But 2-2 wasn't a bad game for the neutrals. Um, there's plenty to talk about here. I mean, I don't know where you want to begin with it, but it was, it was not. It, you could have done. What you could. You really could have done with a win that game. I think you did well to keep. Rodriguez quiet. Um, I don't think we needed to win because, you know, we were coming in the back of a 7-2 defeat. So I think a defensive performance was more needed and obviously that didn't come. But just to get a point was obviously good start. Good because obviously Everton had a 100% win record going into the game. Um, yeah. If we start with the first decision, which was obviously Pickford assaulting oh, no, no. Van Dijk. <laughs> Because that's what keep, it keep was. It, keeping it calm here. I can tell you keeping it calm. I know. You know, I've been watching Sky Sports all, like, all week since the incident. And they've had different goalkeepers on. They've had Paul Robson. They've had Robert Green. They've had other players having a look at it. And I, f- I think it was uh, Robert Green was saying, oh, he was looking at the ball the whole time. Now, I don't know how many people genuinely believe he was looking at the ball the whole time. <laughs> But the ball's up in the air. Pickford then turns away from the ball and just waits and then lunges in. Now, mm. we're not goalkeepers. Of course, of course we're not. Like, we'd never be Premier League goalkeepers. Yeah, I don't know. But a few good there's no like need that. to jump in at a defend, like, jump in at an attacking player when they're at such a tight angle of the goal. You can't see where the ball's coming from when he turns to. To, to actually defend against Van Dyke, you know, he just, you should be standing big and strong, 
and just making sure if Van Dyke does get the ball, you're in the way of it. No goalkeeper should be lunging in from a high ball, which they can't see properly. That's a, that's a red card, you know, it's reckless. And then it's the FA... Perspective, isn't it? No, no, okay, go on. The, the FA have also said they can't ban him now because both the referee and VAR looked at it and didn't decide to give a red card. Now, my issue here is that would be all well and good if VAR actually did look at the red card possibility. Because they didn't look at a red card possibility, they looked at whether it was a penalty first off. And it, this was explained by the ref, one, an ex-Premier League referee who said they looked at it in three stages. Stage one, penalty. Stage mm. two, offside. Stage three, red card. So they look at stage two first, because obviously if stage two is clear with the offside, then you can't have the penalty. So they took so long looking at the offside and then deciding that it can't be a penalty because of the offside, that they then just skip step three altogether. And they're saying, oh, he forgot the rules during the match or whatever. So even these people are saying he, the VAR did not look at a red card possibility. There's quite a few dynamics to that statement because that comes down to refereeing competence at the end of the day. Exactly. That, if, if those are the rules and he's missed them, that's refereeing competence. VAR, they missed it. But I've, I've got my perspective on it. Um, I was listening to TalkSport the other day and they have their thoughts on it as well but Pickford was looking at the ball and he definitely should be more aware you can say so even if he was looking at the ball the whole way he should have been aware of what was going on around him he ran into Van Dyke. at the end of the day if it wasn't malicious and I don't think it was malicious I simply think it's a fact I just say though if you're looking at the ball the whole time you're not lunging in on a player you can, he's, no, got, he's a goalkeeper is, is, he can use his hands this is what I'm coming to. So he's if you're looking at the ball, he's he's it's not if it's not malicious, it's just sheerly incompetence on Pickford's part. He hasn't it's, it's clumsy. He's not looked at he's not looked at what he's doing. He's come out with the wrong part of his body. He's not really I don't know what he was trying to achieve. It was a block or trying to grab the ball. He just seems to be flapping. Um, it was definitely worthy of a red card. That's there's no doubt about that. But it's just sheer incompetence from Pickford. It's not good goalkeeping ability. And we've seen it time and time again from him, not just in this circumstance, just his general goalkeeping awareness and ability. There's loads of um, issues of it. It's just it's lack of concentration. Um, I'm trying to think of the word due diligence as a goalkeeper. He's not doing what a keeper of his quality should do. That's England's number one we're talking about here. Let's not forget. And- you got to look at the angle, Van Dyke's that as well. You know, it's no threat to the goal. Especially at the height it would, because the ball would have been. I think like, Van Dyke obviously didn't like, get to the ball, but had he got out the block, he's. I can see. I'm looking at. I'm looking at a highlight of it now. And he was. Even if he, yeah, he can he, easily just stand up and get in the way of that ball. It goes out for a corner. They then get the offside and the free kick. You know, there's no the need to lunge he's in. Watching, um, even if the argument is he's watching the ball the whole way, he's looking downfield and he can see who's coming at him, hmm. and he's he's coming out of his legs. No, goalkeepers shouldn't come out in that position, like unless they're going for a shot, blocking a shot. But they're trying to block a player and a ball at the same time. And if you look at his tra- reaction afterwards, right, he knew straight away he fucked up. Palm you know, he he, he goes straight ball, away yeah. to apologise to Van Dyke before basically being shoved off. Okay. You know, he knew what he had done, and the fact that neither the referee or VAR could see that or even look at it, and then the FA go, "Oh, we can't ban him now anyway." I personally think. Had he not been England's number one, he would currently be banned. Hmm. 
I think it, there's oh. a like anyone that seems that seems to be in the England squad seems to get away with a lot more than let's say there's the no foreign about, players. There's no doubt about that, and that's a historical thing. We know they do get a little bit of defense. Well, a little bit. They do get a fair bit of defense unless you're Raheem Sterling for some reason. You get a lot of defense around. Um, some of it and I mean I don't want to spend too long on Pickford because we, we definitely both agree and I think there's a large majority of fans out there that do agree to different extents I don't think um, I think 95% of people all foot, all people agree that Pickford should have been sent off it should have been a sending off or even I thought if he wasn't sent off then it should have been a post um, retrospective ban we've seen them before yeah um, I've, I've no idea why that hasn't happened but because of where the, uh, the referee and the AR saw it yeah, they can't yeah. there's a rule that says they can't change it which I think yeah. is ridiculous. When it when it's so blatant, you should be allowed to change it after the game. It's you know it shouldn't be. Oh well, the referee did have a, could see it, and he's admitted he could see it, but he didn't give anything. So now nah, we'll carry on. Like that shouldn't be a rule. Like it's so clear and obvious. You know this is what VAR is about. Clear and obvious. That's one of the most obvious and clear red cards there's ever going to be. Yeah, and the FA are going now. Um, we can't change it. No, sorry about that. Like we're missing a player now for potentially a year. You know, there's some reports saying he's not back till January 20. uh, Yeah. 2021. We'll come on to that in a second because there's still a little bit, still a few bits to discover around, discuss around the Liverpool Everton game. But I think we've covered our Pickford ban and VAR segment anyway. Um, It's just, again, though, you take out the whole situation. It's just just another instance of VAR, the rules, incompetence in football. And VAR is supposed to cut out the incompetence. And again, there's the people using VAR incompetent themselves, so you can't get... You, a poor workman blames his tools. I mean, it's poor workman again. Um, and it always comes back down to the referees, the FA, all of it, and it needs to be reviewed um, regardless. And it's just, again, there should have been a ban. Um, but we'll move on to the we'll move on to the next instance, Gary. So what was the next event in the game you want to discuss? So the other major event was obviously Henson scoring right at the death. Looking like we've won it three two, and then VAR saying I might just agree with you on this one because I don't want to make the segment last too long. <laughs> and then VAR saying there's an offside, um, which most people cannot see. You know, per, like I've looked at it over and over again, and I still can't see any part of his body in front of the last defender. Mm. But. People are going, oh, his sleeve. Now, his sleeve, right, was one millimeter offside. His sleeve. Okay. I'd like, I'd like to know, um, actually, because I work in IT, like, if a part of any part of his body, the shirt, the sleeve, the toenail is offside, is it the computer that triggers like, an, a, like, a, like a tick box, maybe? He puts the line down and one tick box goes, right, there's a part that's definitely crossed. It ticks and it shows as offside, or is it someone putting lines down? Then it's like someone visually looking at the lines, going, "Oh, that's well, offside." Well, it looks is, like is, they're is, drawing is, dotted is, lines up from the last I mean, defender, though. and someone's putting those lines. I said down. this on Sunday. I don't think the lines are straight. Like, I don't know who, who's in I mean. charge of drawing lines, but it's supposed the, to be a Even last system. season, even even last season, lines just looked like they're wonky. You know, yeah. I remember uh, Firmino having a goal ruled out against Aston Villa. For an offside on his armpit, mm. which you know is crazy. You can't score with your armpit, not really. And the line was going across, like left to right. And it's just like, hey, what's going on here? That's that's not a straight line. And I don't know if it's a lack of cameras or what, but it looks like 
we've only got certain angles on goals and yeah. they're having to decide an offside based on that. And then that, so, that causes confusion. Because if you're looking in from, like, say, the left-hand side, an offside's going to look a lot worse. Um, and I, it's just, I couldn't agree with the offside. But, you know, I think we could see sleeveless shirts next season. Everyone's going to go skins on. Very, very tight sleeveless shirts. And then that way you get away with handball and offside with your arms like all the time. It's absolutely so just crazy. Right. I'll just wrap up in the game though, just just to have my say on the whole offside side rule. Um, if he's offside, he's offside, and that's currently at the, the bottom line of it. But I'd like to know how VAR does decide um, offside. Is it is it someone? If it's, it's the problem is if it's a computer system and someone's manually drawing the lines, it's down to that person putting the lines down. Surely a system of this quality, supposed quality, um, and what it can do. Why is it not doing it itself? I mean, we see we can see fucking. Hawkeye and cricket do it. Why have we not got a system that couldn't automatically draw lines for us? You know, the, the whole the whole pitch, for God's sake, is drawn out into a box. Um, and it's all measured to perfection. Why is there not a computer system that can do that for us and draw the lines? It's not well, too soon hard. enough. Soon enough, we're going to have to draw little boxes onto the pitch just and so just change the whole really design see. just so you can see how many boxes each person is towards the well, goal. The, the and that's going to be the only way. <laughs> There's plenty of ways around him. You can have infrared um, lines that only show up on certain cameras that can make it possible. There's plenty of ways around it. I just don't understand why stuff like this hasn't been thought about. And I totally agree with what you said, actually, about is either onside or offside. But such as that get such as that goal being ruled out, that decision, there's people, half the people, mainly people that just dislike Liverpool, in my opinion, were saying it was definitely offside. And then yeah. the other half were saying it was definitely onside. Now, for me, if it's not clear like that, where, you know, because I would like to sit, like, there's three people in the VAR room. Yeah. I'd love to know what each one of those, uh, their views were on whether it's offside or onside and just see. And I think if they, they need to vote upon themselves, maybe, and go, right, yep, yeah, one. One vote for offside, two vote for onside, and the majority rules. Maybe like I don't know, like, but I feel like there has to, with the red card and the um, penalty situation, it has to be a clear and obvious mistake by the ref. Definitely. Maybe we have to go with that with the offside, and it has to be clear that there's an offside. The current rules just don't allow for it. I'm afraid. I don't think at the moment there needs to be a change. We'll keep saying it, so I won't. I won't keep going over it. But there definitely needs to be a, an allowance put in there for you know players are only human. At the end of the day, they're not. I wouldn't say allowance for the offside. I just say like if you can tell from like say you give them a time limit of like 90 seconds or something to go is that offside? And if you can determine in 90 seconds if it's offside, fair enough, disallow the goal. Yeah, but if, need five minutes but if after two it. minutes. St- they're still going right. We're, we're just going to draw some more lines and see if we can make anything from that. Then it's clearly too close to call. Yeah. And if it's too close to call, allow it. Exactly. And just so just to conclude on that as well, there, there needs to be something put in to assist VAR because if it's at the end of the day, if people are drawing lines on it, what's the point of the system? We could all do that with a Sky Sports camera. You don't need to put this system mm. in. Get something in place like Hawkeye that can. You know, put cameras around the ground in all different angles. The system can work out. There's technology out there. I know it for a fact that can render the pitch and they there can see it. Definitely needs to be more cameras because yeah, I just don't understand why isn't. you can you can install cameras fucking everywhere these days. Most grounds have got room for it. Just install a camera here, there, and everywhere. They do it in cricket. Make it easier. 
But to move on now... Um... Man, let's one last thing on VAR. And it's no, something that you shared with me the other day. Yeah, 30 seconds. Go on Twitter. <laughs> it was um, in Australia, the way they use VAR. And the way the refs are mic'd up. And I think that's a superb way. And I think, especially now that we can hear everyone on the pitch, refs should now be mic'd up. So we can hear exactly what their thoughts are towards what they're saying to the players about certain challenges and decisions. That needs to become a thing. Because it's not just in Australia, it's in a few other leagues. But it seems to work so well for them. And you don't have all the uh, criticism and the controversy in these leagues. And maybe it's because they're smaller leagues that so there's less attention on it. But I think it's definitely something that needs to be worked on over here. And just mic yeah. up a ref every now and again and see what happens. Rugby do it. Exactly. Rugby, rugby do, do it. it. It's not hard. I mean, what are they... I don't want to take too much longer because we've spent a long time on it now. But what they're hiding, if you want to mic these ref play, refs up, what, what, what are they worried about? I mean... Everything's on VAR and camera these days, and I'm sure if you wanted to hear someone say something racist or rude, you could hear it on the Sky Sports like, microphone after time anyway. So, and if they're all mic'd up, if there was say a racism incident, yeah, it helps. And it yeah, help. it helps sure. massively because you've got evidence straight away, and you can go and it right. Takes, it takes 12, 12 match man. There you go. Even at minimum, it, later, takes out, yeah. it takes out um, just you know the nasty, not nastiness. Like I don't want to remove like the fighting spirit in a game, but it just takes out people saying stuff that isn't just isn't right, basically. Mm. Um, it gives more respect Definitely, to the ref. Yeah, a lot more. The ref, there's, 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 there's so much you can do around it. It just gives a little bit more degree of respect to the sport again, you know. That's, it would help redeem the refs a bit, but I definitely think it's something they should consider doing. I don't think it's going to fix the offside rules, but it'll just help, you know, a little bit with what's going on understanding VAR. So, as you saw in that video I sent you, um, the ref, you could hear the ref telling the players it's going to VAR. He was explaining it. Um, yeah, he explained every decision, and it was obvious. It seems the, the over here, fine of it. the players are fine. Of yeah, it as well, they went okay, cool. I understand now. Yeah, whereas over here, it's like now nah, play on, and you get no explanation why it's play on and not a foul. Exactly. And then even was, after play stops, there's no explanation. Yeah, you need that third dimension. Um, even VAR, like I'd love to hear what their views are when they're looking at decisions. Because right now we don't even like we get told who the VAR official is before the game, and then all we know then is whether they're checking something, and then what the final result is. We don't know why they come to a conclusion. We don't know why they're looking at something. You know, it's just it's like yeah, uh, yeah. last night in the Champions League. Um, <laughs> uh, it was I think Trent uh, blocked the ball and took it out for a cor- uh, corner or goal kick. And then all of a sudden, there's a VAR check. And He's even the commentators were trying to guess why there was a, a VAR, because there's no handball, there's no foul, there's there was nothing. But they were looking at a VAR check, and it's just like, well, hang on, what, what's going on here? Are we going to concede a penalty for nothing? Um, and after the Everton game, you start thinking, oh, crap, they're mm. going to give something against us here. But lucky enough, they came back with an nothing it but... takes out the, it takes out the fact that after these games you get the FA releasing statements saying why this decision was made it just they would just save time yeah just, and it's no it's not it just it just helps you're not sat there for half the game peed off because the decisions to be made against you that you don't no. understand why you exactly. know if you get explained it straight away then you're like oh, okay I, I understand I don't agree with it or whatever but I understand why it's saying. been given definitely so to move on um, we'll talk quickly about Van Dyke's injury. He could be out to 2021. I don't know if that's confirmed yet. 2022. Here, so 
2022, sorry, but um, that'd be two years from now. Are you sure? Oh, it would be as well. No, you're not wrong. We're at the end of 2020. Um, I don't think there's been an official statement released as of yet as to what the extent of his injury is. There's lots of rumours around how many ligaments in his knee have gone. Yeah. The fact he walked off the pitch, I know Simon said this to me last night, the fact he walked off the pitch, I mean, um, I mean, surely if someone has lost, if, if it's the ACL, the MCL, the, there's, there's so many CLs in your leg, I don't know. But um, if he's walked off, it can't be horrifically bad. He can still have a few ligament tears for sure. But I, I think some of it might be a little bit overhyped just because it's Van Dyke. People are just throwing, you know, like this, that career-ending injury out there. Like, I don't so know like much about the injury he sustained or any of the types he's apparently done anyway. But, you know, it's a massive loss. Massive, massive loss. Definitely, oh, 100%. Uh, it's a big loss for Liverpool. Real leader. Um, and, and the Netherlands. You know, if he's out for the time he is, there's no they're way going into the Euros. There's no yeah. way he'll make that tournament. He's no going way. into, like, they're going into the Euros without this world-class centre-back. And if you look at the rest of the defenders, they're not that great. So what was looking like a, not an exciting tournament, and not one where they probably thought they were going to win, but it's they probably thought they were going to do better than they've done in the last few years. And now they probably would be happy with getting out of the group stages, probably. I keep thinking we, it's in, in our mind it's still the start of the season but don't forget the season started late we're actually practically in November now and yeah. we're nearly by the time the season ends it's only going to be about seven, six months it's not a long time no. um, and it, those injuries can go on for a long, long time I know Lanzini was gone for ages plenty of players have been out there for a long time so I, th- I think he'll recover I just don't think you'll end up seeing the Van Dyke of, um, unless it's a miraculous like recovery um, we've all seen the stats on players that have these type of injuries. We've all, we all know the history. There's been plenty of players that a career have been ruined by them. Um, if he comes back, there's a small chance he'll reach the levels he did. He'll still be a good centre-back, but I don't think you'll see um, the Van Dyke he have done. But you never know. He's, he's got the ability. He's got the stature. He's not exactly, I don't think he'll lose pace because he wasn't, he wasn't exactly... I'm um, saying that he was quite a fast centre back, but I don't think he'll um, come back to the same level. But it's it's a sorry loss for all football, really. I know people don't like necessarily like Liverpool um, or Liverpool fans, but you know no one wants to see a player lost with an injury like that. It's not a nice thing to go through. It'll be interesting. Um, it's, it's, to a, it's, a, it's a loss for sport in general, really, because he's not. It's not like he's he's a, he's a world class player, and it's a it's a loss really for the Premier League. It'll be interesting to see if we replace him in January as well, which I'd imagine we would do. Well, Jamie Carrick's been. Carragher's been tapping up Connor Cody, I saw on Sky Sports. Yeah, but he also did say that we could potentially be going for Emicano from Leipzig. Now, mm. I'm not sure if he's someone we would need. Um, we need, obviously, a world-class centre-back, but I think Emicano is a bit too similar in attributes to you know someone like Joe No, he would cost 50-plus million. And the yeah. fact that any club we go to now know that we desperately need this centre-back yeah. that has another 10, 20 million pound on. Um, but yeah, I think Umicalo is one which he'd do well alongside Van Dyke, and not necessarily yeah. with Joe Gomez or uh, Matip. No. So he would be someone I'd wait until Van Dyke's back. Could um, be a long time. Well, yeah. Fabinho could, could definitely do a job for you at the back. I mean, but then... You know, Fabinho. last night Fabinho was absolutely solid. And he was solid against... Um, Arsenal the other week. Yeah. But... You need to be in the midfield. Yeah, we, that, the midfield three of Fabinho, Thiago and Henson looked so good against Everton. 
that to remove Fabinho and put him in at centre-back kind of feels mm. like we're losing something because it means we've got to add somebody else into that midfield three. That it may work, but I think he, he kind of gave Thiago and Henson uh, permission to like kind of roam away from the defence. Allowing Fabinho to do what he needs to yeah. do. Yeah, so I, I definitely think you need to replace him in January. Um, there's plenty of centre-backs out there, but it's whether you have the money or not and um, whether they're available. Because, I mean, cheap centre-backs of Van Dyke quality. Yeah, I don't know if you yeah, there are none. Play. There are none. There are, there are none. That's the thing. So you're going to have to settle for someone that can improve into that quality or improve to a level that you need, or I just think, someone that can do the jobs. You don't. Not you. you can I, definitely I personally think. Like. I personally think we just need a solid centre back, not someone that's world class and has is seen as one of the best. Just someone that can go in. They'll be able to play yeah. week in week out because they're not constantly injured, like yeah. a massive or or Gomez. And they can just get through to the end of the season without any stupid mistakes. Not necessarily high like quality stats or anything. Just get through. Don't make any stupid errors that aren't needed. Like trying to play out from the back when you should just be clearing it. Just no-nonsense defender. Get through to the end of the season. Hopefully Van Dyke is back for the start of next season. Obviously, if he's 2022, he won't be. But if he's only out for the like six to eight months that has been quoted, mm. he would be back for pre-season next year. And then you go after Umakano and you have a pairing of Van Dyke and Umakano, which, you know, would be lethal if obviously Van Dyke can get back to, back to even if he's he's slightly below that level, he's still levels above most defenders. So but obviously it's a big if, because um, as we've seen in yeah. the past, defenders especially defenders when they get knee injuries. Um, if you look at players like Ledley King, you know, it got to a stage where he was only able to play like one game every like two weeks, pretty much. Um, so hopefully that's not the case with Van Dyke. And we just you don't, you really don't, hope. don't want to fall into the trap that many teams do is that when they have a world-class player, you know, United have it um, at the moment. They have world-class players in Rio, Vidic um, at the back. They've spent years trying to find their next one. And I sometimes don't think you can, you just you can't always just get them. I know players like that are once in a generation, once in every five, ten years. I mean, don't don't. It would be it be not. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be bothered. Me, I'm not a Liverpool fan, but it just be um, don't fall into the trap of trying to find those that, that talent. Um, for me as well, I didn't expect Van Dyke to come in and be as good as he was for us. I don't think many people did. To be fair, no. Like you know, for me, I saw him as this player that. You know, he'd been at Southampton and he forced his way out. And I'm someone that if someone forces their way out of a club, I kind of don't want them at our club. Because I know I know there's more of an appeal at like a Bar- well, there was more of a appeal at like a Barcelona or Real Madrid. And if they're good for you, then those clubs are gonna want them. And then like we saw with Coutinho, he forced his way out to get his moves to Barcelona. And I genuinely thought Van Dyke would be that kind of player who would come in, think he's too good for the club after a few good performances and move. and then try and get a move to like Barcelona. Um, but he seems r- quite down to earth. He's made a few mistakes. He, like against Leeds, he made quite a big mistake, uh, which gifted them a goal. But I think he's still got the work ethic. And I think he's now happy at the club. Um and hopefully he doesn't ever force a move away 
as long as obviously he comes he back might, as good as he was. He might, you might have to not have to worry. He might come back and he might. might yeah, he might be crap when he comes back, and then he can go to Barca for eighty million. I don't mind. Yeah, um, sell, him, sell him off. But I'm really back. hoping he does come back to what he was because if he doesn't, we could be in a, like yeah. I wouldn't say in a terrible situation, but it would definitely be one which requires a lot of work. Because if you look at the way mm. we set up last night with Fabinho and Gomez at centre back. We were very defensive-minded last night. We didn't want to attack too much. You know, we kind of sat back, took the pressure from Ajax, and then tried hitting them on the counter. And I think we're going to see that a lot more now that we don't have Van Dijk, because I think Klopp doesn't have as much faith in his defenders to make the recovery tackles and inceptions that Van Dijk is known for, really. So I think we spent enough time talking about Van Dyke now without it turning into a Liverpool podcast, but I definitely agree. It'd be a loss for... It's a general sports fan. You're trying to be as neutral as possible because I really don't care for it, but it's a, lot, it's a loss to the league. You know, It's a shame when quality players go because they're what makes this league attractive. Um, so it would be a shame, really, to see to see a player go out of that injury. Um, obviously, not a rival of West Ham, so it's not as annoying for me, but... It's just not nice to. I wouldn't. I wouldn't it's it doesn't bother me because he's not a player for West Ham. But it's just it's it's not nice to see a player go out for an injury like that because it's you know it's their career at the end of the day. Um, it ruins the whole quality hard. of the league as well. And I think yeah. you don't want to see that. It doesn't matter who you support. No. You want everyone no, you, at their you best. You know, you want if the best you... players on the pitch every week. We don't. We don't like it because I wouldn't. I don't. I don't like seeing other my rivals do well. But at the end of the day, they're quality players. They're what make the league. What makes the league attractive. Um, so it's and it's just, at the end of the day, it's just a, it's a nasty thing to have. Really, he's not out for a few weeks; he's out for a very long time, and it's it's horrific, really, when football's your passion to not be able to do it. I can't imagine what it feels like for Van Dyke. Really, it's a bit like as well, like you wouldn't want to win the league because a player was injured, because no, then because nice then that league title was always ah yeah. oh, you you only won it because Van Dyke was injured, you know, yeah. and it kind of ruins the whole feeling of winning the league. Like, obviously, you're still going to be over the bloody moon. Yeah. But then it's just like every time you talk you about it, it's like, yeah, but Van Dijk yeah. was injured. If he wasn't, Liverpool would have won the league. You know, you don't want that. Um, and also, we don't want it for Liverpool fans. We don't want it, oh, we lost the league because Van Dijk was injured. You know, because that kind of means we're too reliant on him when, in fact, we do have other really world-class players. Um, Definitely. And so if we were to, not to win the league this year, which, you know, I'm still... I feel like we could still do something in the league this year and still be very high up. But I've always been a bit 50-50 whether we'd win the league even before the Van Dyke injury. Uh, but I don't want it to be we've lost, we didn't win the league because Van Dyke wasn't there. Definitely. So let's move on because now I don't want to, uh, there's, there's plenty more we could talk about Liverpool. We may have to retouch this to Liverpool podcast because we do get carried away a little bit. But in general now, um, the goals are starting to come down a little bit in the Premier League. We, I wonder if players are starting to learn how to defend without fans there. I definitely think now the, the conclusion, the conclusion from my point of view, is that um, the, the the fans do have a massive impact on the game. Um, the player said it the other day. I mean, just imagine if there was West Ham fans at that derby game. I don't know if they'd have done it to be to tell you the truth. Um, if there were fans at that game, West Ham versus Tottenham, would that have, the same thing have happened? I think. Players are starting to adapt now a little bit to it about having the fans there because I think it does at the end of the day get into your head. You know, you go out, you got your fans cheering, people were shouting, screaming, cheering. You know, um, and maybe the players have got a little bit more relaxed. It's improved the quality of the goals, really. I mean, we're getting seeing a lot more goals than we usually do, but 
you know, I'm starting to miss the fact I'm not in the ground for these games now. Come season the gold at West Ham, and we're actually doing all right, to be fair. So I would have wouldn't have minded being there for a few of them, but you know, under two point five goals in six of the ten games. I mean, it, it's coming down a bit. Yeah, like at the start of the season and after lockdown, it definitely did. The games felt more like a practice session, and obviously, I'd. If you watch a practice session, players look a lot better than they do in the games because they have more time. You know, um, they just they just look they just look better. I don't know why they don't look as good in games as they do in training sessions. I, I can't explain that. But after lockdown, without the fans, it every games looked it was like a, for a few weeks, wasn't it? it was yeah, you know, it's almost as if they were too relaxed about games, as if they didn't have as much meaning. And it, it didn't really matter as much if they won or not because there's no one there to cheer them on. Um, yeah. However, I now I do think teams are taking a more defensive approach to games. And I, I, I think some of the teams as it's well, nice such as Sheffield United, on. if you take Sheffield United, for example, I, I said before the start of the season, I think they'll go down. And that's mainly because I feel their way of playing is soaking the pressure with their fans. And that works and the fans are there, doesn't it? And, and then, teams and then their fans get on the other back, team's yeah. back because they're not that good. And it puts all the pressure on the other team and then Sheffield yeah. United just go and counter. Whereas now, they've got no fans to help them put that pressure on. They just sat back defending and it's just a training drill of attack versus defence. And that, that's not going to help um, you win games. No, definitely. And I think we're starting to see that now that teams are starting to adapt and learn how to, you know, motivate themselves without the fans there. And I think it may improve the quality of the league going forward when the fans do come back in. I'm all for the let the fans in um, as well. But at the moment, lower league teams definitely need it. But I just don't see it sensible to let fans into the Premier League grounds now. The way things are going, we're heading to, well, I say we're heading towards the second lockdown. Half the country's there, half the country isn't. I definitely want the fans back, but... um, Lower league clubs definitely need the financial support, um, but I just don't think it's sensible right now. So it's good to see that the Premier League teams are starting to adapt to um, the lack of having fans in the ground. Um, I love the fact that we're getting so many goals, but it's a little bit stressful, you know, watching your team play when you don't quite know if they're going to defend and um, actually, you know, see the games out. But it's, 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 there's lots of goals, and I think the players are starting to adapt. So we'll see how this goes moving forward. Um, we might find the fact in a few weeks' time that there'll be loads of nil-nil games, but um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely something um, we're starting to see. Maybe the players mm. adjusting more. Yeah, so I definitely agree. They're all adapting their tactics now and adapting to the way they're playing. And it looks like they are good. Like I think I agree with you. There's not going to be fans back at the top level for quite some time. Um, especially, not, I don't think this season we're going to see any fans in a Premier League stadium. Um, every time we get close, it just seems they stop no, it. Not, I know, I know you, you go on Twitter, and I said this in the build the other day. Um, you go on Twitter, you see the announcement of how many the infection rate is, or how the death rate is, and people are saying, Is that all? Let the fans in. Um, sometimes I question whether they actually go to games because I go, I've, I've been a season ticket holder at now for West Ham for what nearly 10 years, I think. We're coming up to 10 years anyway. Um, it's packed, you know. It's just the tubes are packed, the grounds are packed. I mean, I, w- I know they wouldn't let all the fans back in at the same time, but the, the logistics- first season was uh, West Ham Championship playoff season. Yeah, I know. So it's, yeah, it's, it's coming up to ten years. Yeah. It's been about nine, I think. So, you know, they wouldn't let all the fans back in at the same time. But just the logistics behind it, getting so many people up to the ground. You know what I mean, even they did it at like ten thousand people. That's still ten thousand people you've got to cater for 
that you wouldn't expect. And is, is it really worth the cost? The clubs are struggling financially anyway. Even it's a not- fraction of that, though, that would not only help, like, say, if you allowed a 1,000 people into a 60,000 seat, you obviously get to socially distance, like, with yeah. quite a lot of ease. But then we they're talking about helping out all the lower league clubs as well financially. Yeah. But the Premier League clubs are, hard, are only getting money in from sponsorship and TV revenue. It's obviously a lot, yeah. but you're missing a hell of a lot of uh, ticket money. Which and The last thing they're going to want, though, is to spend X amount of money trying to get fans to the ground. You know, They're going to have to put all these turnstiles in, the scanners in, the, the staff to use the, 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 the te- temperature checks. Yeah, they'd be better suited saying, right, just forget it for now, rather than spend all this cash on... Um, trying to get fans in. So I don't want to go to watch West Ham with just 5,000 people in the ground. I know I'd love to see them again in person, but the reason I go is the atmosphere. There's going to be no atmosphere of 5,000 people. I've got more of an atmosphere sat at home with my dad watching it having a pint than I am trekking all the way to London, wearing a mask, getting mm. hot and um, bothered, trying to get into a ground, and then if my temperature's slightly high, walking home. Just give the money to the lower league clubs that need it, because we're going to see... I'm hoping something will come for them, because it's just... It's worrying, really, how the English financial structure is going to be... Um, like for the lower league teams, I mean, we we know all the shot locally. They're gonna, they're going to struggle. They already have for years anyway. Just put a bit well, of, they, they released the figures for the national league clubs this week, and there's seven clubs are going to get over ninety thousand pound a month from the government, and then sixteen clubs are getting eighty four thousand pound a month. I forget it. I don't quite know the financials. Is that going to help them? Well, you would you wouldn't expect the clubs to be spending more than twenty grand a week on wages. Hmm. So it should really be covering everything. Um, it's like Up not counting today. They yeah. uh, we talked about our local club Aldershot. Um, they announced today from Notts County that Notts County had a positive test. So the game next weekend, well next week, sorry, midweek, yeah, thirty uh, first. Uh, don't know when that is, um, but that's been called off because of the positive test. Now, fantastic. I believe that also means Notts County had to forfeit their FA Cup final qualifying round game this weekend, which means they've already lost out on money because of COVID again. Um, and they didn't have an easy game. Uh, they went to Kingsling, who have just been promoted to the same league. But they get like, I think they get about £5,000 for winning this round alone. So Notts County just lost out on five grand, which... If the government are giving them, say, the 84, that five grand is a quarter of what they technically get from the government every week, which is a lot of mm. money. And I, th- I think the, the amount, again, is more than enough for that league to sustain. You know, if you're spending more than yeah. 20 grand a week in the National League on wages, because they shouldn't the really have any other you? clubs, because they don't have hundreds of staff members like the top teams, you know, they got a handful of uh, staff. You know, Ultra, I think, have about three coaches. Um, they've probably got one or two admin. And then the rest are volunteers. Um, they've obviously got a groundsman who does a superb job. Um, but none of them are going to be on high wages. And I very much doubt any player at Ultra are in the high thousands, if any at all. So if they're getting 20 grand a week and 84 grand a month, that should be enough for them to stay in the future, especially considering all their players have been on furlough since yeah. the start of lockdown. So you shouldn't really be seeing any clubs in the lower tiers now going bust That's if they're, if they're being run properly. 
Because going back to the financial package for these clubs, um, I know a lot of this came down to this sort of, it wasn't breakaway leagues. I know there was a, a talk a few weeks ago, you know, um, of Liverpool and the other clubs trying to do something and then it was all to do for the, the financial package. Oh, the, that, sorry, I remember now, it was having more power in the league, you know, having more yeah. top six, have more control. And part of that was having a financial package included for the EFL clubs and down. Um, I know they didn't get that at the end because they were all for it because the financial money that they're given them, it didn't happen in the yeah. end. I think they're um, still going to negotiate some of the points though and try and get something. Yeah. Um, whether we see any changes is a different story. And I imagine we wouldn't see any changes for quite some time anyway. But no, I think the real focus this week has obviously gone on to the European Super League. So I misunderstood this actually the other day when it came out because I saw it on Twitter for I thought, really? So Liverpool and Man United have thrown the toys at the pram and gone, you know what, we're going to leave the Premier League and go to the European Super League. And I think that's the way it was tried to push out a little bit because it wasn't quite clear to me. Yeah, I think the media is trying to make it out of something that was a yeah, lot worse than actually is. Well, obviously all it actually is going to be is two groups of European so, Super Teams does this, this is what's confusing me, right? If, you, if, you, if the managers are complaining about fixture congestion, what does this European Super League replace? Because that's just another competition. So basically, there won't be a Champions League. Okay. So the Champions League will be sense. discarded and you'll have this European Super League. Now, I'm not sure if I've understood it completely, but from what I understand is you're kind of going to have the same teams in it every year. Um, even if someone qualifies in fourth. Yeah, I, I, what I've understood is it's basically an invitational, if you yeah, like. Yeah, okay. So you have the big teams, the teams that are going to bring in all the there. money. <laughs> yeah, so you have your Man U's, your yeah. Liverpool's, your Bayern's, your Barcelona, yeah. and they're automatically in it. Yeah. So all we're going to see, if this is, like like I said, I'm not 100% sure if this is correct. There's a lot of it. But from what I understand is, like teams from Bulgaria wouldn't be in it. Teams from San Marino wouldn't be able to qualify for it. So they would be missing out financially as well. However, uh, the FIFA president did say today his focus is not on that, even though the Champions League contract kind of like runs out in 2024. His focus is on that, is on the Club World Cup. He wants to expand that instead. So he he cares less about Liverpool versus Bayern Munich and more about Bayern Munich versus Boca uh, Juniors, which I can get behind because the Club World Cup, you know, we won it last year. We're currently the world champions. Don't want to gloat. But we only played two games. You know, to become world champions in two games is a bit pointless. I just, so my point on it is that the, uh, um, West Ham on in the Champions League, so it was cheap for me to sort of say, yeah, I'd hate to see it go because West Ham haven't been in it as far as I remember. Hmm. But it, it really aggravated me, and I'm sure many other fans agree. You know, if you qualify in fourth, you want to be in a competition. You don't want to go, oh, we're in fourth. What have we got? Prize money. Oh, are we in the European? Are we in the European Cup next year? No. Oh, but we we qualified above a team that's in it, but you're not in it. It should be like, well, what's the point then? Like, why do I want to try and? Get as far up the league as possible. It's just financial incentive, and maybe that's just enough. But you know, you can't you can't just scrap a competition just so you want to have Chelsea versus you know fucking Bayern Munich every year. I mean, the two top quality teams. But I mean, what's the point of having the league with the same teams in every year? And then I wouldn't say a league's as exciting as the Champions League. I don't. I watch it because it's a knockout competition. In a league, you don't get knocked out. So yeah, I I was correct. So basically, the team. 
teams will sign up for the league. So it doesn't matter how you do domestically. So it will just be getting as like financially just as much money as they can get because they know all the sponsorship deals and the TV revenue will be really high if they have all these massive clubs playing each other. And I'm not sure if it's groups of 18 or 20, but you play each other once throughout the season. I think there's like a season-ending tournament, like a bit like the Nations League at the moment. Um, I personally don't like the idea of it, you know, and we'd be be part of it and I wouldn't like it. You know, it, it takes it away. Yeah, like you said, if you finish fourth and you don't get Champions League. And the champion at the end of the day is more exciting. You know, if you've gone through all of these knockout competitions, the round, sorry, and you win it, you think, fuck, yeah, I've knocked all these teams. We didn't get knocked out once. Because mm. you can't lose. Well, you can lose in the group stage of the Champions League, but you can't, like, in the, in a league, you can afford to lose a few. And you think, all right, this week, you know, we've got quite a few injuries. I'll just put a B team out. Mm. Um, in the Champions League, you've got to be on point every game to reach the final. You can't just go, ah, you know what, this week, well, We'll drop it. You've got to be in these competitions. You've got to be at your best, and that's what's exciting about the Champions League. Not that West Ham are in it, so it's a bit cheap for me to say again. But I watch the teams. And I think right. I'm expecting to do a good game tonight because I know what is City are going to have to go all out against Bayern Munich or Barcelona to win to get through to the next round. That's that's an exciting night of football. Watching them like bat it out to get three points in a league that are all sort of equal. And it's just, oh, it's just not really as exciting. Um, and again as I spoke about this breakaway league in the Premier League before, the separate one. Um, again, it comes down to money and greed and power. And this is what the European Super League seems to be, just some kind of supplemental tournament. That it is. Really it's all about happen. money and greed. That's all yeah. this new European Super League would be about. It, but if it's, it's going to be replaced... It makes leagues more boring because if, you, if you're going to just say, right, oh, well, I don't... It would, I could, Chelsea this year can just... Well, I, keep, I don't know why I'm picking on Chelsea... Um, let's just say um, Arsenal, for example, usually have to fight to qualify fourth. If all of a sudden they're invited to a Super League, they're invited to, regardless, in the Premier League, they'll be like, all right, right we'll just finish 10th for every year then, and they'll just focus solely on the European League because if they're going to constantly qualify for the champ- this European Super League, they'll be like, what's the point? I'll just constantly put out my weaker players in the Premier League, make the Premier League I think poorer. the only thing it would change is there would be less emphasis on trying to win the European European competition because winning a league, you know, especially like winning the Champions League is a big thing. It's what yeah. every club wants to do. You know, Pep Guardiola, that's what City it. brought him <laughs> in yeah. to do. You know, yeah. they want, they don't care about the league anymore. They want the Champions League. Now, yeah. if you create a European Super League, no one cares about it. You know, there's no real buzz. Like you said, you, you're yeah. automatically in it. So, yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, okay, we'll just turn up, collect the big bucks, and then yeah. just go and dominate the Premier League. Because that's what will yeah. happen. Whoever's involved in it will have so much money that they Obviously will just be stopped. able to buy the best players. But if it's going to turn in, I say I'm not bothered. I thought about it the other day when I found out what it actually was. I thought, well, I'm not bothered then. If it's just going to be like that, then it won't affect the Premier League. But it would annoy me a little bit because it just tanks the Premier League a bit. But you think, oh, well, like, well, what's the point then? But. If it did become a tournament that was replacing the Club World Cup um, in some senses, it was like a summer tournament maybe that was on the off years or it was done slightly differently, then yeah, I'm all for it. I mean, if it's an invitational tournament, I mean, fine, but keep the current format. I want West Ham, I want to see my team one day try and be in the Champions League and go I personally it. feel the Champions League needs a revamp, uh, not in the form of the European Super League. It needs to be kept so then all the same teams can still qualify. In Don't the same way, it does. When there was one round, not two, two. Yeah, when when the 
Champions League restart back in August, I really enjoyed the one-legged ties at the neutral venues. Be, yeah. Now, I think it would work really well if you had the normal group stages before Christmas, and then after Christmas, you went, right, Liverpool versus, say, Atletico Madrid, like it was this year. Hold it in a big neutral ground, half and half. That would be Yeah, like, Liverpool versus Atletico Madrid at the Alliance Arena in Germany. One game. Awesome. Go and see what you do. You know, I it, I know it takes away from the being able to go see the team at in home day, in one argument Champions League. In is that it's the, the club are financially structured. They want the players at that. They want the fans at that ground so everyone gets to see it. But you hold it a yeah. separate venue. It's not like these clubs are struggling. They're in the Champions League. Like they're going to be rich. yeah. Like is it obviously it'd be annoying. Like Liverpool fans wouldn't be able to go to a home great game in the European knockout stages. So we're maybe about the latter stages anyway, aren't we? Like the big, big games. Like, well, no, I think the one-legged ties could maybe be round of sixteen upwards, and last yeah, eight, would, and then from yeah. then you go two-legged ties for the semi-finals and quarters, yeah. where it, it really is important because the last sixteen, you know, at home, say to Benfica, you, yeah. you're not too bothered if that's held in Italy. Yeah, but it you makes know. it quite exciting, though, doesn't it? To have it yeah. in a separate venue, give it a little bit of a tour around. And then and also it means we can watch teams from other countries. So we would be able to watch Barcelona, say, be Bayern Munich yeah. at Wembley Stadium. You know, for yeah. me, that would be quality. You know, we, we don't, you know, if we obviously went to Madrid uh, last year. Feels and, longer, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, it feels ages. And we did the stadium tour, but we couldn't watch a game because obviously there was no games on at the time. But even if there was games on, we wouldn't be able to go and watch it. Yeah. Whereas if they held Bayern Munich versus Real Madrid at Wembley and it was locals who got first pick of the tickets, you know, straight yeah. away. Well, you'd have some level of allocation. You, know, you still have... Yeah. So you get like for the actual fans, and then a quarter sort of, or even a third Bayern Munich, third Real Madrid, third neutrals, you know, yeah. and just give everyone a chance to watch teams they wouldn't necessarily yeah, exactly. normally no, watch. It's, it's it could be it's a little bit cheaper for say no because also I don't think either of us have been to Champions League nights. It's probably no. a bit cheaper just to throw these ideas around. But if this is what they want they want to do, start touring football around a bit like the NBA. That's the suggestion. Doesn't take away the whole tournament. Doesn't throw it all out the window. It's just an, it's just an idea. You know, to sort of help promote the the, the, um, the games a little bit more yeah. and make it a little bit more. Relevant. I think a lot of fans actually enjoy European away days anyway. So, if yeah. every game was oh, in a different country anyway, yeah. you know, yeah. that'd be great. You know, you get to go and explore a new culture for a few days, watch your team play in a stadium you've never been to or whatever. And Champions League night tickets are hard to come by. So, up, yeah. And clubs can supplement tickets and travel as well because there's no doubt that. They're, I think if you did so, it with Europa League as well, made the whole tournament one legs. That would really spice it up, and I think a lot more teams would take it more seriously. Because right now, when you've got two-legged ties, you've got youth players out on the pitch, and no one cares if they win or lose. If you make that one-legged tie, and you're like, right, you've only actually got to win four games instead of eight games, you're going to pair your main team, because you don't have to sacrifice the league form as much. Exactly, exactly. So we've had our ideas on it. Whether it will happen or not is another question, but the European Super League is not an idea I personally want to see happen, but Again, if it, happened, if it replaced the club World Cup, it's, it's an idea. So it's interesting that a Liverpool fan doesn't agree with it and they're the ones sort of pushing for it. But it just goes to show, really, that at the end of the day, it's the, it's the fans that Let's remember, this wasn't a Liverpool idea, this one. The Prem no. proposal was the European Super League is a FIFA idea yeah. and they approached Liverpool and Liverpool kind of said, yeah, we'd be interested. Yeah, um, but it, it just goes to show, though, that 
even fa- even though clubs are keen for it, it shows that the clubs and fans are separate. Mm. Um, and fans de- it are seems like the American-owned companies are more in favour of it as well. Yeah, it's because it's greed, and um, it's, if it, when it involves money, a lot of owners don't bulk at the idea. It involves money and extra mm. cash. I don't think they care at the end of the day. I think they're whereas it would affect fans, they don't quite care if there's money in their pockets. So yeah, um, that's that's all I've got to say on it really. So I think it's about time we really look to the Premier League ahead of the coming weekend of fixtures. Um, we've got Oz in here and um, Gary Nabil, Gary Nabil, Simon Nabil have kindly sent theirs in. So let's let's look ahead because we have spent our time now talking about quite a few different subjects. So um, the first one I think we'll come to, we'll, we'll fire through some of these because I don't want to spend too long with some of the games. But Villa, Villa versus Leeds should be an interesting one. Um, Simon's gone for a, a Villa. Nabil's Villa gone win. for a Villa. And yes, so's Nabil. Um Personally, personally, I think it could be a draw. It could be a good game, actually. Villa haven't. Um, I don't think they've lost a day so far this season. All they no. have, they're, they're up there. They're superb um, so far. Four wins out of four. The only team with a hundred percent record. Quite uh, surprising. Second really. in the table, only conceded two goals. They've got oh. the best offensive record in the league. Um, Very well. You, you're against, saying draw. I, I, I say draw, and I think. Um, you could argue that Leeds they can attack but they can't defend and Villa can attack very well and they appear to be able to defend so I think we could see a draw I don't know how long Villa will keep it up for um, if I was if I was going to swing one way I would say Villa but I think you you predict Leeds don't you? Yeah you know the, today they got the news that Calvin Phillips is out for six weeks which is obviously a massive loss for Leeds because he is their like, anchor man if you like but mm. I think the way Leeds play because they're very much in your face. <laughs> they're very much in your face. And I think Villa may then struggle and concede a few. And I think Villa are going to go from two goals conceded to maybe four or five goals conceded for the season um, mm. against Leeds. I don't... Like Villa, they've got some good players, but for me, there's still a lot of championship quality in there. Um, and not really Premier League quality, especially not. But it's clicking though, and this is what I mean about um, West Ham. We've bought Championship quality, but Villa have bought some very good Championship quality. I mean, um, Ollie Watkins was clearly ready for the step up. Um, Matty Cash as well, um, quality right back. West Ham wanted him, but didn't go for him. I wish we did because he's just he's he's quite good going forward. I've um, been impressed by Cash Watkins. He's only had one really good game, in my opinion, yeah. uh, which obviously seven two against Liverpool. He's got quite uh, a few. Yeah. Um, but I'm still not that impressed by Villa. Like, I know they scored seven against us, but I think we made it very easy for them. They then beat Leicester, who were missing, yeah. who were missing Vardy. They were missing Suunku. They were missing Ndidi. Uh, they're, they're missing Ricardo Pereira. You know, so they're missing a lot of their core squads. So Villa have, you know, they've beaten us and Leicester. And obviously that's two of their toughest games of the season. But then they've only also beaten Sheffield United and Fulham. So I don't think they've really been tested because we didn't test them. We, we didn't. We were yeah. disgustingly poor. And like I said the other week, I think pretty much any team in England would have beaten us on that Sunday. Mm. Um, so I don't think Villa have really been tested yet. And if they're not tested this week, they've then got Southampton at home, which isn't enough another tester. And then they're away to Arsenal, which might be their first proper test of the season. Um, but I think Leeds will scrape it three one three two maybe. Okay, I'm going to say uh, two all draw, in my opinion. Uh, moving on to West Ham versus City. I know Simon's put a draw down, and the Bills, of course, come for a City win. I think that's a spite me for what I said the other night. Um, <laughs> well, I've agreed with the Bill. 
Because, like I said earlier, West Ham do turn up against the big clubs. City have got a lot of players missing, actually. They've got a lot of players missing. Obviously, they lost Fernandinho last night as well, which is a massive loss for them. Like I said, his leadership when he's on the pitch is second to none, and they do look a hell of a lot better. Even if he's not the greatest technical player, he does really help them um, there. Um, But I've only gone for City because... West Ham seem to have a habit of when they start looking good, they then become really crap. And I think you can agree with that. Like, we don't agree on much when it comes to West I'm Ham. Argue. I'm not going to argue that one. But yeah, I yeah. think you can agree. When it starts looking yeah, like West Ham are going to do well... That is, Gary, what we call the West Ham way. Exactly. You know, we finally agree on something West Ham related. And I think, you know, you've had, you had back-to-back wins before the Tottenham game, didn't you? Leicester Wolves. And you looked very, very good. You then get a free all comeback, which is absolutely amazing. First team to do it after the 80th minute in the Premier League. I just feel like you're going to come back down to earth and somehow lose 2-3-0. You know, I know you've gone for a draw, but I just, I think West Ham are currently at the top and they're going to do a West Ham and come back down. (laughs) We'll see, we'll see. Um, I'm going for a draw, but the City do have a lot of injuries. West Ham, for the first time in history, have no injuries. So we'll see. Um, got a good system. We hopefully know what we're doing now against teams um, that like to attack us. We're playing a good formation. So we'll see, but I'm going to go for a draw. Um, Fulham versus Palace. Uh, Simon's gone for Palace. Um, the Bill's gone for a draw. I've, gone, I've actually gone for Fulham, and you've gone for a draw. Yeah, it's a tough one. Palace are not creating chances at all. Fulham aren't putting chances away on leaking goals easily. So mm. I think the two just counteract each other. You know, Palace aren't I scoring. Fulham are conceding. It's a draw. I reckon we might see a surprise result. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Fulham did win. Because like I said, Palace aren't creating any chances. So if Mitrovic or... Um, just a touch from Palace. Lookman can get a chance. Fulham could easily scrape it. I think Roy might start be starting to lose it a little bit because um, I was looking at the Palace team the other day and there were some players on the bench that even I saw even Palace fans questioning why. Like they've bought Eze, he's quality, but I don't understand. I, I don't watch Palace every week, so I don't know. But even I can see that Palace fans were questioning it, um, which is why I think maybe questioning why he's on the a, bench. Yeah. Um, why Eze was on the bench because he he was he looks quality for them. I've seen a few highlights now, and I want him at West Ham. He's got he's got the ability, but he dropped him. Well, I think the um, issue Roy has though is that he plays almost a four three three. Well, apart from that, he plays almost a four three three with Saha, Batshuayi, and Townsend, and then yeah. his three holding midfielders. And Eze obviously is a very attacking player. Now, out of that front three, who do you drop? Yeah. Because they're all yeah, like Ashwai is obviously world class. Like I think whoa, he's definitely. Whoa, 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 I, th- I genuinely think he does. You know, if you watch him, swing, if big you swing. watch him play for Belgium, he is a different class. He didn't get the chances at Chelsea. He's basically, the Belgian Benteke. Well, Benteke is Belgium. <laughs> you know, he's basically Benteke. Well, he's a diff- completely different player to Benteke. It's just, be, it's just the same ilk, though. I know Batshuai has been battered around for years. Is well, the bats his nickname as well, I think. But um, yeah. It's just been batted around for ages about being this top quality striker. I mean, geez, like he's had enough chances now. He couldn't need no. Yeah, he came over from France, I believe it was, where he was absolutely lethal. 
And then he just wasn't given a chance here. But every low move he's made, mm. he scored goals. Yeah, but why has he never stuck it down? Why has he never stuck it down? He's not world-class. He's never stuck it down. I think uh, he just doesn't club. fit the image Chelsea want. I, think I, don't think he fits, I don't think he fits the image of many teams. He ends up at bloody Palace. Um, but he does well. He was there a few years ago, I think it was. He yeah, was there. And we'll he, was, he was good. We'll see. But yeah, I understand why Eze wasn't starting because there's no space in that team for him. Yeah, uh, which makes which makes it a weird signing, you know. You don't spend yeah, that kind of money for someone who's going to be a backup, um, no, exactly. unless they thought Zaha was going to leave. I think this could be the season we see Roy finally um, go out to pasture. I think it could start this weekend against Fulham. Maybe I know it's a bit of an odd team hmm. to say, yeah, Fulham's going to finally show Palace up. But I think if Fulham's going to do it against anyone, it's going to be against the Palace team. That's basically sort of just. I don't know. Just ever since Roy's been there, I just don't really consider. Well, they, they they seem to survive every year, but it's just like, what what are you doing? Like you've got to retire. It's, it's very boring football, and yeah. it's not nice to watch. Um, and it seems to be a dying breed the way Roy plays. Yeah. Uh, a lot of teams are just I more attack and attack, attack. He seems to be the last of a generation of managers that are just like you know the Allardyce. Now you got Sean Green. Dice, mate. He's still there. He's, I don't, we'll he's playing we'll the proper English way. We'll come, we'll come on to him in a minute, but that's our, that's our predictions anyway on that game. So I want to spend yep. a little bit of time on the next few fixtures. We've got a few to rattle through still. Um, let's try and get through them as quickly as possible. Uh, United, United, Chelsea could be an interesting one. Simon's gone for Chelsea. I've gone for United and the bill has gone for United as well. Um, to be honest with you, I could see a draw in this one. I that's, what I've gone for. that's what I've gone for a draw. I think both teams are too yeah. inconsistent. And I it's think, hard to predict. Yeah, you know, I've, just like the Fulham Palace one, I think they're going to counteract each other and get a draw. Uh, yeah. Obviously, no home advantage for either team. So it's just. Yeah, oh, I'm not going to spend too long talking about this one because it's just going to be a nothing. A nothing yeah. Well, it's not nothing this game. It's usually, it'll be a big fixture. I'm probably more excited. Whoever loses, there's puts massive amount of pressure on a manager. On side, yeah. And so, I think, I think yeah. after Chelsea drew 0-0 against Seville at home uh, Tuesday night, uh, yeah, Tuesday night, uh, United obviously beat PSG. So I think if Chelsea lose, Frank's under a hell of a lot of pressure. Whereas if Oli, if United lose, I think Oli's still, you know, he's living off the PSG result. And I think he'll live off that PSG result for a while now. <laughs> I think if Chelsea beat United, it takes pressure off Frank, but it really does sort of nothing for Oli because that mm. PSG result will probably save him a little bit. But I think if United beat Chelsea, Frank's under a lot of pressure and United could probably probably start posting you know, Oli's at the wheel again. Yeah, um, I think the result definitely needs to, is much more needed for Chelsea than is United um, for the manager's sake. Um, moving on to Liverpool versus Sheffield United, I mean... Oh, even I put yeah, it's full house, isn't it? The first yeah. full house of the day. All Liverpool. Jeff yeah. um, had one. one goal, one or two goals this season. I don't think you should be too worried about your defence this game. I mean, you could easily lose. No, Sheffield United will sit back and try yeah, and ab- the... absorb the pressure and hopefully the front three yeah. put a few away. I wouldn't expect us to concede more than one. So as long as we can score two, we yeah. should be all right. Um, well, we're spending too long on no, it. I think it should be a win. It should be a win. It should be the um, easiest win of the weekend out of all the fixtures. All the fixtures, yeah, definitely. And I think you have to worry about your defence this game. Um, so Southampton, Everton, I mean, it's an interesting one. I've gone Everton, Simon's gone Everton, the Bills gone draw, and I think you've gone for a draw as yeah. well. Um, 
as I as I say, it's, it's hard to always predict Southampton because they're they're not they're not pushovers. So it's making them hard to predict because you you just you can't see them doing one particular thing every week. They can lose, but at the same time they they're just, they're quality enough that they could probably beat anyone. Yeah, um, it's on a weird day. one because they're probably the most inconsistent team in the league. One yeah. week they look like they could beat anyone, and then the next, next they week, look they're yeah. going to lose five nil to anyone. Yeah, and it's a bit confusing. The only reason I went for draw is because Everton are missing James Rodriguez and Seamus and Coleman this weekend. And Richardson through, um, and yeah, obviously he should be Pickford as well, but that's probably in Southampton's favour. Let's not cover that again. Uh, <laughs> probably help Southampton out anyway. Um, but I think Southampton being the home team, probably I think you could probably see Pickford being dropped on just on that note. Um, well, Ancelotti did say he was very sorry for the tackle and he didn't mean it, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's the kind of thing that gives Ancelotti, yeah, him. he gives the excuse to drop him and go, oh, well, we're just trying to keep him out of the spotlight when, in fact, it's, got, he's been they, poor they, for very long and they've and they got the new goalkeeper. goalkeeper as well. They yeah. just bought a new goalkeeper and he's not, he wasn't, yep, he's not a bad goalkeeper as well. He's international first choice goalkeeper, I'm pretty sure. So Yeah, for Sweden. I think Everton could do it still, but again, that's only because they've got Calvert-Lewin firing up front. And they've still got a good team, but this will be their, this will be Everton's first sort of test, really, without Rodriguez and um, Richarlison to see how good that squad depth goes and how good Calvert-Lewin is without that Danny Ings versus Calvert-Lewin. Very interesting, very interesting that one will be. Wolves versus Newcastle. Simon's gone for a draw. Uh, I've gone for Newcastle, surprisingly. You've gone for Wolves and the Bills gone for Wolves. Um, Why have you Newcastle. gone for Newcastle? I just think Newcastle can do something against Wolves. I mean, Wolves haven't been too impressive. You got my mentality from the start of the season. <laughs> I know a little bit, and I mean, this is what I mean. I just have a hunch that this, this weekend, you know, Newcastle can make things tick, and Wolves have been good. Um, reminds me, are they in the Europa League or Champions League this year? Then neither. They're not. Oh, they didn't. Did they didn't qualify? That's just no, reminded me. Yeah. Because Arsenal won the FA Cup, so indeed, Wolves indeed, missed yes. out. So maybe they won't be too distracted by international, uh, international um, yeah, European yeah, football. Yeah. But I think they've been a bit hit and miss so far this season. Um, we beat them quite comfortably. I think if Newcastle can um, carry on the sort of way they're sort of heading, Callum Wilson staying fit, um, I think I can see them pinching pinch something here. Well, the reason I've gone for Wolves is because since the start of the season, it's felt like Wolves have had a bad season. Like, it doesn't feel like they're doing well. But they're sixth place. They've got nine points out of fi- a possible 15. And Newcastle, who are very up and down, you know, they beat you on the opening day. Uh, they were holding United for quite a while. They've only got the seven points out of five. So they're two points behind Wolves. <laughs> I think Wolves are a very good side. Um, I've still yet to watch Semedo play since he's joined Portugal. Because he has joined Portugal. It's like Connor Cody and the Portuguese lads. Like <laughs> they might as well just get sponsored by bloody Nando's. Um, yeah, the way they're carrying on, yeah. Even their new kits, the Portugal kit. Um, but yeah, I think they're a quality side. Nuno's a superb manager as well. Superb. Well, so they're not a bad team, Wolves. But I just think Newcastle might end up pinching. So I think. Um, we'll see. If this was the opening game of the fixture, I would have gone Newcastle. I, I stuck a bunch of their players in my fantasy team, but no, that's, that's after seeing the low-scoring points I've been getting from them and watching it's Newcastle good. play, they they just look very boring. Steve um, needs to go. <laughs> all right, Newcastle fan over. To <laughs> um, so the last three games, let's let's fire through them now. Um, Arsenal versus Leicester. 
Simon's gone Leicester. I've actually gone Arsenal. You've gone Arsenal, and the Bills gone Arsenal. Simon's just gone to be different. I think um, Arsenal. I think they're starting to become the what well, I say Arsenal of old. We always think that sometimes, but they're starting to find their way again. Leicester just look a bit shot. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to starting to see Brendan Rodgers under a little bit of pressure now um, to sort of turn things around. Mm. Um, I think Arsenal have got quality now. Aubameyang's just firing again. They've got. They've just got Thomas Partey. Um, who can probably be very good midfielder for them? Um, they're playing good. They're playing good football. Yeah. So I only said Arsenal because Leicester still have the injury problems, and I think that's the only thing that gives Arsenal the edge. Um, they're both playing tonight in the Europa League. As we know, it, Arsenal are very one-two-one. Leicester have just gone three-nil up with twenty minutes to go. But I think. The players Leicester have available aren't as good as the ones Arsenal are going to have available. And that's the only thing I can think of. Arsenal have the edge over that. If if both teams had their full strength team, I'd be saying Leicester. But if Vardy, yeah, and if the full strength rest, team, I think it'd be yeah. a lot better game than it will be. But I just don't think it's going to be. Um, I think it'll be a low scoring game as well. Yeah, maybe like one or two goals. Well. Yeah. yeah. I think we, if we both agree on it, it's going to be. I think Arsenal probably got enough to see off Leicester. Yeah. Um, we, we'll, we'll probably we'll probably discuss with the guys next week. Hopefully, if they can they can make it on. But um, but yeah, I definitely think it's an Arsenal get a win. Brighton versus West Brom. Um, Simon's gone Brighton. The Bills gone Brighton. I've gone for a draw because I just I just it's not I couldn't be asked. It's just going to be. I just I just can't see. You know, I think if it's if it's going to be in, it's going to be Brighton. But I think maybe it just could be a draw. Um, just a boring I think it's going to be the worst game of the weekend. Yeah, there's nothing much to talk about. West Brom no. don't appear to have enough to stay in the league. They've just got Ivanovic at the back now, but he's probably a bit past it. Um, I feel a bit sorry for Dean Garner going there, to be fair. I really wish we hadn't sold him to them because he's kind of gone to a club that's going to... You know, I love Slavin Bilic, but it's just, there's not enough in that quality in that squad to no. stay in the league. I'm surprised that squad was able, like, good enough to come up last season because there were so many better teams in that league. I think we're starting to see why they struggled. Um, Mm. I mean, Brentford probably deserved it more, but I'm glad Brentford didn't come up because we got Benarama off them. Um, But I think, yeah, we're starting to see probably why West Brom really weren't able to make it up quite as clearly as Leeds Leeds were. but yeah, I've gone for a draw. I just, I just couldn't. I can't really see it being an exciting fixture. It could just be a score draw, maybe. Hmm. I've only gone um, Brighton because I think going forward they look a bit better. Yeah, um, they've got quality Brighton. They've got I can't see West Brom scoring but... a goal, but I can see Brighton maybe snatching one. Uh, like I said uh, a few weeks ago, Lamptey looks quality. Uh, I think yeah. he was at fault for a goal on the weekend, but he's quite a small player, so you know high balls aren't really his speciality. So I think. He would be world class in a, a defensive five, yeah. where he doesn't really have to defend yeah, the high balls, him, yeah. um, and he can do more attacking work. But he looks quality. Yeah, that's that's a very good buy for them. I know West Ham are mm. interested, but that's definitely a uh, that was, that was, that's, a, that's a good that's a good player there. Um, Last game, Burnley versus Tottenham. Simon's gone for Tottenham. You've gone for Tottenham. Bill's gone for Tottenham. I'm being a bastard and saying a draw. Sean Dyche. Um, I think Burnley. This is probably this is usually around the time after the first fixtures. They're, they're right down the bottom at the moment, but this is usually about the time they start to they maybe creak into action. Being the Burnley team, there, I think they could um, just be solid. I mean, they're doing well tonight, but um, 
I reckon Bernie might be able to snuff them out. But I can't see Bernie beating them, but I reckon there could be enough in it just to keep them to a nil-nil draw. But it depends, really. It depends what um, Tottenham turn up. Um, they're playing. They're, they're winning tonight. Um, but again, I mean, it, it just depends the fitness of Kane. Um, if Bell can start. Be interesting to see actually if Bell starts this weekend. I know he started tonight, but it's going to be interesting to see if he starts against Bernie. I don't think he will. Um, but yeah, I just, I just, in my opinion, it's going to be a draw. Well, I, I've only gone for Tottenham win because I think the only time to, like Burnley are like a Newcastle in the way they play, and obviously Newcastle got very fortunate in their result against uh, Tottenham the other week. Um, but I think Tottenham just have too much about them. I think they're in such goals, good goal-scoring form at the moment. I can't see Burnley scoring two or three goals against them like West no, Ham did. The only you way know. Burnley are going to draw this is if they keep it down nil-nil. Yeah, but I can't see that happening. Um, I fully expect Bale to start, to be honest. I know he started tonight in the Europa League. Yeah, didn't do anything by the looks of it. But... Um, I fully expect him to start. Oh, sorry, he did actually get an assist um, for an own goal. Um, <laughs> so I fully expect him to start. And the front three, I'm, I'm really hoping the front three of Sun, Kane, and Bale is as appetising as it sounds. You know, I'm not saying anything because I don't like Spurs. But no, you don't have to like Spurs. But the free front three, you know, if you got Sun and Kane on superb form oh, already. I'm not going to argue their quality. Their yeah. top quality. Um, they're world-class players, world-class attack. Like, um, I don't want to see Tottenham win anything, but I would love I to see loads of goals and just them three just showing their quality because Bale's going to score some wonderful goals this season. We just all know it. You know, it doesn't matter if you hate him or not. Like, I like, like him, him when he's not at Tottenham. <laughs> When he's at Wales, he's all right. But he, we know he's going to score world-class goals, and I, I'm just wanting him to do it this weekend. I, I just want to see what we'll we've see. been missing in the Premier League. We shall see. We shall see. Um, that's all our predictions for this weekend's fixtures. Um, we'll go through them again at the start of next Prem Focus. We're moving Premier League Focus to a Tuesday night just to give us a bit of a quicker reaction to the weekend's fixtures and the bit more of an early look ahead to uh, the next round of fixtures um, so the news we get isn't so out of date um, and our opinions aren't so old um, but it's quite an interesting show tonight I think we've managed to carry the show about the other two um, and I'll argue it's been a bit, uh, a bit more free-flowing I'm joking I'm joking lads we, we miss you um, it's a shame that Neville's not here really because I, I did enjoy giving him a bit of Liverpool banter at the weekend and I didn't mean to upset him too much um, but no it's been it's been a good discussion Gary I've enjoyed the show yeah. very much um, I look forward to seeing how predictions do next week. Yeah, we got a good show coming up on Sunday, to be fair. we got a special guest uh, coming on to talk about women's rugby in general. Obviously, the Six Nations is resuming, and yeah. uh, I think we can both agree that we're looking forward to that. We Neither of us are massive rugby fans, no, so there's a, there's it'll no be another learning really. experience for us. No, definitely. And there's no better time really to get into more sport than now. I mean, the Six Nations, there's probably no better way really to um, get, into, get into rugby really. So I'm looking forward to discussion this weekend with our, with our guests coming on. So that's it for this week's show on Prem Focus. Thanks to everyone who gives us a like and a follow every week. Um, we really appreciate everyone who gives us a, a podcast a listen, you know. We're just starting out and um, everyone who gives us a listen is, is massively appreciated. Um, and hopefully in the not too distant future, this, we'll, we'll have... Um, 
loads of listeners and we'll be doing a lot more we've got plenty of, of ideas in the uh in the locker it's just uh we, we need a bit of time to get going really so thank you everyone that's so far supported us it's massively appreciated and um that's all for this week so thank you very much everyone um and i'll Thanks, speak to you all soon. cheers guys